Welcome to The Inner Room, a study where we review highlights on daily scriptures and focus on the instructions and examples they provide to learn mastery of our emotions, to guide us in our spiritual journey, to learn to pray, worship, and listen to God's will for our lives. Four angels we see in the book of Revelation 14 today, one sitting on a white cloud with a golden crown and a sharp sickle in his hand, another one coming out of the temple with a loud voice saying, use the sickle, there's a harvest that needs to happen. Another angel comes out of the temple who also has a sickle that is sharp and another one from the altar that is in charge of the fire and he cries out to the first one saying, use the sickle. And that happens, the harvest takes place, and they throw this um, harvest into the great winepress of God's fury. These words are anthropomorphisms, that is, using human qualities to talk about the character of God. It's harsh to hear God's fury. We like to speak about God's mercy and I've spoken about this in another episode. As we come to the end of the liturgical year, we ponder the end of things and the end of times. We ponder the issue of God's justice. In this imagery that is such intense drama that John paints for us about what is happening in the heavenly realms as the harvest of the end of times takes place, reminds us then of a character trait of God and we have to balance it with the other things that we know to be true about God. You and I are asked to be agents of justice. God will ask for an account of our life and will say, come good and faithful servants or not, depending on whether we've taken the challenge to be part of his kingdom. And what do we mean by that? Look around. There is sex trafficking. There's pornography. There's famine. There's elderly or infirm that are abandoned. How are we contributing to the balance of justice with our actions in the world? We've learned throughout the liturgical year when we were looking at the um, Mosaic discourses, Moses talking specifically that there are only two ways, the way of life and the way of death. There's no in-betweens. So we are either working towards peace and justice and kindness in life or we are working towards the opposite. Justice is best seen where? In the economy of God's kingdom, in the cross of Jesus. And that used to be such a hard thing for me to even understand. How can we say that that is just? That a man that is good, that walked the earth doing good, is actually killed in such a torturous way. And in that that action saves me. I've had that conversation with some of my atheist friends. How does that all come together? Like it's so complex. We see that Jesus defeats death. This doesn't work if we don't believe in the resurrection. And Jesus either claimed who he was, that he was the son of God, and he came to walk as a human to show us the way of life and the way of the resurrection, or it doesn't work. There are accounts that Jesus lived, died, and resurrected from the beginning of the history of the church in the Roman ruins. There are examples of how this tiny group of illiterate fishermen created a movement that has transformed the world 
and created more than a billion Christians. But how do we see justice in the cross? How does this happen? Why is this needed? Jesus bends down so deeply that he enters the human condition. We're about to enter into Advent to celebrate the nativity of Jesus, to prepare for it. And Jesus leaves the throne of heaven, becomes one of us, to show us how to walk with mercy and love and kindness, loving one another and loving God, showing us the way, and then dies so that he can defeat death and give us the hope of the resurrection. We get to then choose that way. That is our choice. If we choose to walk that way, then at the end of our life, we will have an account that we give. And at the end of time, as a human race, we will give an account. And whether we are alive at that time or we've died, there will be a reckoning. There will be sort of a movie of our life and a movie of the world played before our eyes where cause and effect have played out in such a way that there will be those that have chosen life in the book of Revelation. They're called the lambs or death. They're called the goats. And a group goes to the right and a group goes to the left. In today's imagery, we see the angels are reaping and the harvest has been made, and those that do not choose God will experience separation from God. They will experience moving away from God. And that is a harsh image, but we have to ponder the end of our lives and the end of time. We come to Psalm 96 to see that the Lord comes to judge the earth, that he is king. We celebrated this weekend the feast of Christ the King. And that he has made the world firm not to be moved. He is the unmoved mover, as St. Thomas Aquinas talks about. Everything in the world moves, but he's made it firm, standing on him. And he invites us to come into that kingdom. And we get to not do it. We see in Luke 21, Jesus talking and saying, as he's looking at the temple adorned with stones and beautiful things, that what we see there will be torn, torn down and that no stone will, will be left upon another stone. And they ask him, how will this happen and what will be the signs? How, how do we know? And what he tells us is that there will be lots that will come and say, I am the one, follow me, that we will see wars and insurrections. But he invites us to not be afraid that things that we don't like must happen and the end will not come immediately and we don't know exactly when that will happen. But we will see nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, earthquakes, famines, plagues, all of the things that we're experiencing even now that we are in the middle of a pandemic and we have all of these difficulties are being predicted by Jesus that they will happen. So how do we brace ourselves against ourselves against this imagery that is such high intensity drama? We make a choice. We make a choice to be life-giving, to choose life in the midst of all the death, all the difficulties, to hold those that are in the middle of hardship, whether it is they've lost a dear one or they themselves are sick, or whether it is because somebody has lost a job or someone has lost their economic balance or someone is having a mental breakdown. I have several people around me that are experiencing such difficulties with their mind. So let us be people of hope and of the light of the resurrection to reach out to each other, to know that God sits on the throne, that he is an everlasting king and that we can invite him to walk with us, to walk because he has already walked in our midst and he is amongst us. Heavenly Father, 
we come to pray to offer you everything we have, everything we think about, everything we dream about. We offer you also all of our feelings, including those of anxiety or depression or hardship. We ask, Father, that you take them, that you give us your grace, that you transform us, that you transform our minds and our hearts and our words because your ways are not our ways. And we are so glad for that, Father, that we can ask that you transform us in your ways, that we can be people of peace and kindness, that we can extend ourselves to others who are in time of need, that you can transform those situations, Father, that we can see all that have asked for prayers, that we place all of them in the altar of heaven so that they can receive your grace and your peace that goes beyond all understanding. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hello, this is Sofia Fonseca de Niño, and I welcome you to this inner room. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the inner room, Emotions in the Bible. And we would love to hear your questions, your ideas, or your comments. Thank you for joining us today.